You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Robert D'Agostino, Professor Robert D'Agostino, with Do Facts Matter? And uh, I'm going to talk about several different things today. One of the things I've been hearing, of course, mostly from the mainstream media, is that these rioters, of course, they always call them protesters, we're way past the protest stage. The protest is long since over in terms of uh, George Floyd. It's been taken over by rioters. The, um, the, the protesting a grievance, whether real or imaginary, is a pretext. And, and it's a pretext now for what's going on, rioting that's going on, and uh, the destruction. And I think I mentioned this before. There's a, a book written by Edward Banfield, and Edward Banfield is a sociologist, a well, a very famous and a very accomplished sociologist who wrote a book in 1970 called Unheavenly City. And I think I mentioned this, this chapter before, Rioting for Fun and Profit. And essentially, what happens is you have a protest, and the grievance might be real, or it may, may be... Not real, but in any case, the people protesting feel aggrieved. Now, if that protest starts to go on for a while and nothing occurs about limiting its disruptions, and I'm talking not vandalism, but just disrupting, let's say, sidewalks, disrupting streets, then, of course, we have the next days, and that's the rioters. And as Edward Banfield called them, the, they come in for the fun. I mean, baiting police is fun running around making believe you're doing something important is fun, especially for adolescent and post-adolescent males. And uh, he, in fact, uh, talks about rioting in the United States and from, I think one of the the big ones I recall, one of the big descriptions is the rioting that occurred uh, during the uh, war between the states uh, and the, um, uh, the Irish Immigrants were getting drafted, and in New York there were serious anti-draft riots. Uh, they felt that uh, wealthy folks, uh, merchants, sons of merchants, were not being drafted or being able to buy themselves out of the draft, and they were taking the brunt of, of fighting a war they had no interest in, uh, whether, it, whether it was to free the slaves or whether it was to preserve the Union. And by the way, let me just do a little side trip right now. I call it the war between the states. I have a a friend of mine who's a colleague of mine at um, John Marshall who's a very accomplished scholar. and name is uh, Tony Baker. And uh, we've discussed this many times. And I told him that my view of the Civil War is somewhat different. My view of the Civil War is it started with the Fugitive Slave Acts and with, of course, the Dred Scott decision. The Fugitive Slave Acts, which were, of course, sponsored by Stephen Douglas, who was uh, you know, leader of the Northern Democrats, uh, really precipitated violent reaction in the anti-slavery North when the slave hunters started to come south. And we had, uh, we had a little war between the states there, a little war in Missouri and Kansas. And so, and plus... Even though helping a slave escape or harboring, uh, harboring a, a, an escaped slave was, was criminalized, uh, even uh, P- 
people who were arrested, of course, whites who were arrested, were often uh, acquitted in court as the juries said, in no way uh, are we going to uh, con- convict someone who's helping a human being escape. So I, my feeling is, you know, Millard Fillmore signed uh, signed the Fugitive Slaves Act, uh, sponsored by, um, among others, Stephen Douglas. And I think that was the start of the Civil War, because that was the start of real animosity. You had the Dred Scott decision, you had the Fugitive Slave Acts. And I think that the war between the states was a part of the Civil War, and that was a more accurate description, I think, than calling it the Civil War. That section of the Civil War is a war between the states. So when did the Civil War end? I don't think it ended until the 1960s with the Civil Rights Acts. I think that's when it ended. I think this, the, 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 the fight went on for all that time. And obviously, um, once this, uh, the war between the states was over, some of the southern states and southern communities started to reinstitute what amounted to slavery. He had the Ku Klux Klan. And people forget that Ulysses Grant, who was an abolitionist, even though he married a woman whose family owned slaves, he made it plain that he had nothing to do with slaveholding. And, and in fact, the slaves that he inherited, he freed. And he freed them at a time when he was in really financial trouble, and he refused to sell the slave to bail himself out. And uh, he freed, freed his slave uh, that he inherited. He didn't buy him, he inherited him. And uh, he eventually prevailed on his wife uh, to free her slaves. But the... Um, uh, Ulysses S. Grant sent federal troops to the South to destroy the the first iteration of the Ku Klux Klan. When he had heard what they had done, what they were doing, he sent the federal troops, and they hunted down the leaders of the Ku Klux Klan. Now, when some other problems arose during the second term of Ulysses Grant... By that time, the Democrats had taken control of the House of Representatives, which means they would not fund the sending of federal troops uh, to the South again in order to protect the black citizens. And so Ulysses S. Grant had no choice. He, he had no choice about—he couldn't get funding to, to send any, any of the troops to, to the South. So to a large extent, the— uh, the second half of the second term of Ulysses S. Grant, there was some backsliding. But, of course, the Ku Klux Klan didn't really get reinstated big time uh, until uh, Woodrow Wilson. But that's side. So I urge you all to, who are interested in the real history and the real sacrifices made to read all about that, to read about Reconstruction, read about post-Reconstruction, read about Ulysses S. Grant. I mean, uh, at the time that he was uh, uh, elected president, there are many people in this country who thought he was on a par, or almost on a par with Abraham Lincoln, and uh, certainly in terms of his commitment to uh, all men are created equal to the Declaration of Independence. But leaving that for a minute and getting back to what uh, I started to talk about, and that's um, what's what's going on in the country? What really is going on? I, 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 hear, I hear all this stuff on the mainstream media about uh, these various movements, uh, these various uh, rioters, of course, called protesters. And, uh, and uh, Banfield made it plain that 
you know, those rioters become, it's fun. I mean, adolescent, post-adolescent males, 20-year-old males running around like hooligans is fun. And it, not just for young blacks, but young whites, same thing. Look at, look at the rioters now. Look at the people c- causing trouble now. And how many white faces do you see? These trust kiddies from the uh, suburbs in their uh, parents' uh, Lexus uh, SUVs. The, there are lots of them. And, of course, what Banfield said is once there's no control over the rioting, you get the next group, those who profit, the looters. They come next. So when they see the the uh, the uh, police stand down, when they see the political uh, leadership uh, alibying or, or or excusing the rioting, uh, since by calling in protesters and, uh, and not separating the true protesters from the rioters, uh, the looters come, and we have really seen that. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, there are people who have political agendas who are manipulating everything. Now, they can't completely control everything because you can't, but if you take a look at Antifa, you take a look at Black Lives Matter and how much money they've collected, and, and, and who's paying the organizers? Where do these organizers come from? And you can spot them. Uh, they're usually in black, black masks, and they almost always have uh, backpacks. I mean, backpacks full of, you know, sophisticated equipment, including cameras, in case they have a nice shot of a policeman doing something untoward. So um, they are, and I'm hoping the Justice Department will prosecute some of these people. Uh, It's unlikely I don't take the Justice Department seriously anymore. Uh, It it was so politicized uh, under um, Eric Holder that it uh, no longer can be called the Justice Department. I mean, Eric Holder probably is... uh, in, in history, one of the uh, worst attorney generals in American history, politicized almost everything. In fact, when he was uh, in the Justice Department, I think he was assistant or associate attorney general under Clinton. He uh, did Clinton's dirty work for him when Clinton wanted someone, you know, uh, pardoned instead of going through procedures like Mark Rich, for example. Uh, he uh, had uh, Eric Holder do the uh, dirty work. That's, of course, uh, Mark Rich, tax fraud, all sorts of other egregious uh, actions. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, Bill Clinton met with uh, Mark Rich's wife four, five, six times in the White House, and she apparently convinced him that uh, to, to pardon her, her husband. Uh, and, you know, you can make your own conclusions on that one. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I think... We need to take a look at what's going on. And the answer is, yes, the rioters, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, which are behind a lot of the riots, and the vandalism, Black Lives Matter makes no bones about the fact that tearing down these statutes. And by the way, tearing down these statutes, Nancy Pelosi was asked about this. And she, her answer was, and it's on tape, look it up, look on it, uh, YouTube, I'm sure it has there. And she says, well, you know, uh, I don't care about statutes. And so the next question was, someone really had a follow-up question for a change. Well, what about the mobs ter- tearing down these statues? Well, she says people will do what they you know, feel like doing. So the, she's justifying and alibying the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the mobs. In other words, she's undercutting the rule of law. If we don't have the rule of law, we don't have a country. And, of course, that's exactly what the left wants at this point. 
Let's get back to really, really what's going on. You you understand that there is a loose coordination. I don't. There's no boss of everything. Obviously, someone like George Soros, who who, who funds a lot of uh, groups that uh, fund uh, and fund the riots and, and fund the um, uh, vandalism uh, through uh, Black Lives Matter and through Antifa. Uh, and, and Soros does it through a lot of different uh, channels. Uh, a lot of the organizers are uh, hired by the public service unions, but the money comes indirectly or directly or indirectly from George Soros and some other left-wing billionaires. Uh, and uh, I did promise you, and I'm going to do this, uh, I did a little research about six months ago, in fact, about these billionaires because the Democrats love to yell and stream about billionaires, billionaires. And the American people, of course, have no clue what the billionaires are really like. And let me just tell you that uh, virtually all the ultra-rich in this country support the Democrat Party. We're up against a hard break. We'll see you back in a few in a minute or two. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Robert D'Agostino back with Do Facts Matter? And... Uh, Unfortunately, uh, probably no, not probably no, definitely no. Uh, before I continue my discussion of where I was, I um, got a, uh, a memo from the conservative, uh, excuse me, Heritage Foundation. So Heritage Foundation, uh, of course, was asking me for join Heritage after I did work at the Reagan administration and uh, asked me for um, a donation and what have you. And in order to get the facts out, they wanted to really get the facts out of what. And I wrote them back. I said, "Look, the answer I have to that is no. Facts don't matter. So I don't care what kind of facts you think you can get out. Facts don't matter. And why should I give money to Heritage? Um, I think the the conservative movement uh, is dead. It's dead because, by and large, except for Reagan, it hasn't delivered." And Reagan delivered whatever he could in the face of Democratic control of uh, Congress for most of the, his his uh, term. So I wasn't going to do uh, going to spend my money. I give money to candidates. Uh, we got a couple of candidates running here for the Senate a Senate seat: Kelly Loeffler and Doug Collins. And should decide uh, between those two uh, who, uh, who who you support as a Republican conservative candidate. Uh, 
I personally like Doug Collins. Uh, he was a former student of mine. I think he's a solid conservative, a thoughtful conservative. And he's been in the wars in Washington. He understands what goes on in Washington. But uh, I, I wouldn't have no great objection, no objection whatsoever to Kelly Loeffler continuing as, as a senator. I just don't want to see uh, Reverend Warnock elected, uh, the Democrat, to that Senate seat. And, and he might be. We, we'll see. But let's get back to, um, to, to this whole idea. There is loose coordination. There is some coordination among these groups. And the, the, the group that probably over them all is um, a group called Organizing for America. Now, Organizing for America and grew out of the Obama uh, camp, presidential campaigns. Organizing for America has got an address in Washington, and uh, there's a house in Washington owned by the Obamas, very expensive house, and apparently there's some offices in that house where Valerie Jarrett sits. And, of course, many people in Washington considered Valerie Jarrett a kind of a co-president with Barack Obama in terms of decision-making and analysis of the issues. But in any case, uh, Organizing for America is there. It's Barack Obama's group. And you can bet your bottom dollar it's in contact with the other left-wing activist groups, Black Lives Matter, for example, Antifa, and uh, other and, and the big funders. So we do have a loose coordination at the top, and I think Obama's behind it or his uh, – his, the organization that was founded in his presidential runs. And then you walked, or, there's been a lot about Act Blue. Now, now, let me explain what Act Blue is. Act Blue is a fundraising platform. They, they, they give money and raise money for progressive causes. The progressive causes include, of course, the Democratic Party. So much money that people contribute to Act Blue goes to the Democratic Party. Now, there's been some ch- charges that ActBlue uh, Act gets all the money that's donated to Black Lives Matter. That, that really isn't true. Uh, Black Lives Matter is on the platform, and if you donate to the pl- uh, to p- platform and you think you're donating to Black Lives Matter, you may not be. You may be donating to some other progressive or left-wing group, including the Democratic National Committee. But to dig this out, you have to go to three or four sites on the Internet because the mainstream media and the Internet, Facebook, not so much Facebook as Twitter, Google, they like to hide the facts. They like to make it hard for you to track the money. But there is on the Internet somewhere, and I looked for it in my files this morning and didn't find it, a list of who who contributes to Black Lives Matter and then who contributes to Act Blue, and the number the number of corporations, major corporations that have given money to back Black Lives Matter or Act Blue is amazing. So anyone who claims that big corporations back the Republican Party is lying, and they know they're lying when the Democrats say it. they know they're lying, they know where their money's coming from. Big money is coming from Wall Street hedge fund managers. It's coming from the big banks who want government protection. It's coming from the big corporations. And what, what, why, what's, what's in it for the big corporations? What's all this looting in it? That's exactly what's in it. It gets rid of competition. 
the more medium or small businesses that go bankrupt, the less competition there is for the big guys. I mean, if you take a look at the revenue stream for uh, uh, Lowe's and Home Depot during the riots and and this area, the virus and the riots, between the two of them, their revenue stream is going through the roof. Why? Because their competition has been closed down, by and large. And so the the big guys are very and not not suffering some of these really big corporations. But there's another reason why the big corporations are in the pocket of the Democrats, almost all of them, as well as all the ultra ultra wealthy. And the answer is China. China has 1.3 billion people, or some say more than that. I don't know. But let's take the number 1.3 billion, which is one of the uh, numbers I've seen. The United States has 330 million people, which is a larger market. So the Democrats will not follow through on Trump's trade battle with China. The big corporations, the big financial institutions want access to China and want to keep access to China. Hence, Trump has got to go. If ever there was an anti-establishment candidate, his name is Donald Trump. Just think about it. General Motors sells more cars in China than they sell in this country. Buick is one of the biggest sellers in China. GM is, I I don't know if they're still doing this, but there were some plans afoot to to start a Cadillac uh, uh, factory in, in, in China, at least before the pandemic hit. So there's a good reason why the Democrats, why the big Wall Street and big corporations are solidly behind the Democrats. One, they don't want competition. That includes the big banks. Two, they want access to the Chinese market, and they're afraid Trump is threatening that access. And these are two very big reasons why uh, the Republicans are not the party of big business. They haven't been for a while, but now it's real clear because the, the, the big players own the Democratic Party, lock, stock, and barrels. I mean, Black Lives Matter is probably uh, <laughs> is probably a substitute for the Democrat Party at this point in terms of their fundraising ability and their influence on, on what's going on. One has just got to listen to some of the black, some of the uh, Democrat uh, uh, politicians parroting whatever the Black Lives Matter want. Uh, I mean, Joe Biden is close to saying defund the police. Hasn't quite said it, at least last time I read what he said. But he's close to saying he's for defunding the police. Uh, they've embraced Black Lives Matter, a lot of these politicians. Uh, well, look what's happened to Kelly Loeffler in Georgia. She's an owner of a, one of the women's uh, national basketball teams. She's a, a part, a, I guess, a majority owner. And she just told the truth about Black Lives Matter. There's a political organization that much of the money that was being raised really went to the Democratic National Committee uh, on, on the uh, platform, Act, Act Blue platform, and that uh, she didn't ag- agree with some of their uh, their stands. I mean, the head of Black Lives Matter in New York uh, said he's going to burn the country down if he doesn't get what he wants. And what does he want? 
Well, he wants defunding the police. He wants normalization of violence, essentially, if you read what he says. And talking about that, look at what Seattle Civil Rights Commission has said, that folks, particularly white folks, have to give up their physical safety, their, their commitment to physical safety. Hmm. That's what he said. That's what they, they said. Physical And the uh, normative white behavior has to go. What, what is normative white behavior? I don't understand what normative white behavior is. Uh, obeying the law? Is that normative white behavior? Thinking that facts matter? Is that normative white behavior? I don't know what it is. But take a look at it. If the American people don't understand what's at stake this coming election, and yes, I know that Trump steps on his message constantly. Why he picked a fight with that race car driver, who cares? So, I mean, he got exposed uh, uh, for, for falling, uh, being a sucker, that a, gra- a, a rope that uh, was used to open and close the garage, uh, which was, uh, I guess, uh, big enough to, to hang a, uh, a rat, or maybe a, maybe, a, uh, he may, maybe a rabbit, I don't know. Maybe it was that big, but it didn't look like that in the picture I saw. All right, so stay out of it. Stay out of it. Stay you know, out. Uh, yeah. Robert, you know, I realize that uh, Trump is uh, very narcissistic and uh, or egotistic or whatever you want to say, but why are his advisor, will he just not take advice from anybody? Well, remember, most of the Twitters where he gets himself in hot water are in the middle of the night when his advisors are fast asleep. It trumps up at 4 a.m. in the morning, and his advisors are at least waiting till 7 before they show up at the White House. So a lot of these tweets that he's doing are middle-of-the-night tweets. Nobody's there. I'm sure that... uh, now, Kushner, I don't. I mean, I think Kushner is, is not necessarily a good influence in terms of a lot of policies, but he certainly would not would advise Trump to tone it down, as would Stephen Miller, who is a good influence on policy. So, uh, and Pompeo, who's a good influence on policy. I mean, sometimes you. you but Miller's got his head someplace else. Maybe. You know, I. He's he's very one-sided, to say the least. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, he's, uh, he helps write some speeches for Trump, and I think he's uh, I think he's a good influence. I mean, people Trump is difficult he, in the business community. People who who work for Trump really like him, think he's a great boss. He wants you to do your job, and he treats you well. People who have to negotiate with him are not so sure about how, how a nice guy he is. Uh, and I think I mentioned this uh, at one point. I, I did a uh, study with, in my seminar I taught at John Marshall Law School on uh, Trump and his, and his companies and, and why they went bankrupt and why they had financial troubles. And it had to do with Trump, narcissism of Trump. And when he finally started to listen to advisors, when he start, finally started to do things sensibly, he started making a lot of money. Yeah. I may we circle back to China for a second? Sure. Did you hear about the fact that they've discovered a bubonic plague, plague there? Well, I'm, plague is in San Francisco, for Pete's sakes, on, on the coast, uh, U.S. coast with all these uh, homeless people running around and all these illegal illegals coming in without being tested uh, for diseases. 
I mean, uh, so we got it in this country. We've got it. And uh, bubonic plague, of course, is uh, obviously uh, rat rats uh, carry it. And uh, why should we be surprised that it's in China when it's in our west coast of the United States? Okay, I, I just I hadn't heard that about the west coast, but it makes sense with the rats and uh, and the Democrats not doing anything about cleaning up San Francisco or any ever. other city that uh, that they control. Yep. But uh, I'm curious as how China will handle this since it's now well known. Well, I, I think that uh, China, in terms of internally, will handle it. I mean, the answer is China did try to internally deal with the coronavirus. What they didn't, uh, what they did with the coronavirus is uh, once they they saw, and I think, however it got into the population was an accident in China. That's where I firmly believe that. But I believe the Chinese Communist government realized they had a weapon where they could sink the Western uh, Western economies. And they purposely unleashed it on the West by letting all those people from Wuhan travel while shutting, not allowing them to travel to other parts of China, but allowing them to travel to the, West, uh, to, to the Western nations. I'm up against a hard break. Be back shortly. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert uh, D'Agostino, and I'm back with Do Facts Matter. And just to remind uh, my listeners, I am a professor at John Marshall Law School, and unfortunately, John Marshall Law School has announced they're going to do remote teaching in the um, fall semester starting in mid-August. Um that's, of course, the decision for the Board of, of, of uh, Trustees or the Board of Directors. Actually, we still have a Board of Directors uh, of the Board of Directors of John Marshall, and not my decision. I don't know if it's the right decision or the wrong decision, but I, I'm sure it's a good faith decision. And uh, I, uh, I, I, I would miss the interaction with the students, but uh, you know, I guess uh, John Marshall administration thought uh, it be better, better be safe. There's certainly a mixture. I mean, Harvard is teaching remotely in the fall and some schools are not and some schools are 
from my point of view, considering my age, I'm in a, what we call a vulnerable age group for the virus. Gives me added protection. Um, but uh, I mean, what's what's their death rate from the virus? For 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 people under 45, it's minuscule. I mean, the highest estimate uh, that I've seen from the death rate from those infected, if you take everybody who's been infected, is uh, three-tenths of one percent. So that's where we are. Okay, well, let's get back to um, uh, now Black Lives Matter. When people d- donate to them, Black Lives Matter also has a PAC, Pool Action Committee. So you either... you. Donate to Black Lives Matter Foundation or, or local Black Lives Matter chapters, and there's a pack. Political, and of course, the Black Lives Matter Political Action Committee strictly donates to uh, Democrat candidates. So, if you're of a mind to donate, why anybody would donate to Black Lives Matter is beyond me. But if you're in a mind to donate, by the way, that probably gets me in trouble. We'll see what happens at the law school. Um, although, John Marshall, let me just tell it. John Marshall has got a pretty balanced faculty, one of the few law schools in the country not totally dominated by left-wing professors. You know, we have some radical left-wing professors, uh, and we have some, and and uh, we we have some uh, conservatives. Uh, I'm I'm one of four conservatives that I can I don't want to identify the other three because it may cost them their their life uh, the way things are. Uh, I'm obviously. Uh, out as a conservative, uh, and this, uh, but the other three are not necessarily out as conservatives. So we do have four conservatives, and then we have another a fifth who's a Republican, but on issues of defense and foreign policy, uh, not on the social issues, not on the uh, uh, things like abortion and same-sex marriage and what have you. Uh, so then we have um, the the rest of the faculty is from you know center left to radical left. We have definitely two radical left professors and we'll see if they're uh, what their behavior will be in uh, in August uh, because the radical left uh, is out to get the rest of us. I'm not saying our radical left is but if you look at what's happening in other universities uh, very few are standing against them. University of Chicago of course stands against is still standing for free speech and uh, there's one professor who said something innocuous uh, and then caused a brouhaha and they demand that he be fired. He's a physics professor. They demand that he be fired. Uh, and the uh, University of Chicago uh, said, well, we're, we're going to look at this. And uh, they, uh, after a 10-day investigation, they said, no, we're not firing him. We found nothing wrong with what he said. And... Uh, what he said was innocuous. I mean, it was it was actually factually based, but that doesn't make any difference because facts don't matter anymore. And by the way, who is the great statistician for the left? It's none other than that's. I'm going to shut. For some reason, my, I can't shut my phone off. So sorry about that, but I'm going to. I'm trying to get this thing. I'm pressing the ignore button, but it doesn't work. Uh, anyway, um, the um, the great statistician for the um, left is, of course, Saul Linsky. 
and they have violated one of the things about Saul Alinsky. Saul Alinsky made it very plain to his followers that they should not talk issues because what they wanted to do was take power. And the way to take power was to personally destroy your enemies. And what I, what I, uh, what I call create an, a negative atmosphere around people. So if you're only trying to create a negative atmosphere, it makes no difference how many lies you tell because each lie eats away at a reputation of the person. So you say, well, you know, they've been lying about Trump for four years, Russian collusion, and they're still talking about Russian collusion. They're still talking about uh, 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 Trump and Putin, which is nuts. It's crazy. And they, this Ukrainian thing, it's nuts. It's another hoax. So why are they still talking about it? Why are they still lying? They know they're lying. They know that this is all baloney because they're trying to create a negative atmosphere surrounding Trump and his people. I mean, look at my, Flynn, General Flynn. He suffered the consequences of being close to, to Clinton, and they wanted to get him not only because he was, excuse me, close to Trump, not only because he was close to Trump, but he knew too much, and he knows too much. They have to prevent him from getting a position of power because he knows about all that hanky-panky that Brennan and Clapper uh, did when they were in power in the CIA and the National Security Advisor. When they were up there, they, they, they were moving money around illegally like crazy, and he knew all about it. So they had to destroy him. And that's why this judge is still not dismissing the, the, clay, the claim against Flynn, despite the fact that the, that the Circuit Court of Appeals said, you got to dismiss this case. The, the judge there, Sullivan, who is morally as corrupt as they can be, has now asked for an en banc hearing. He wants all 11 judges to hear it uh, as, a, um, as an appeal from the three-judge panel. He wants all 11 judges to by all rights, anyone who looks at the facts, Flynn never should have been indicted, which the FBI agents who interviewed Flynn said. It's in the record. They said nothing wrong with what Flynn did or what he said. But they had to find something. They had to destroy him. But that's right out of Saul Linsky's book. You, to win, you destroy your opponents personally, completely destroy them. And that also has the good effect from their point of view, of scaring other people, so people then keep their mouths shut and don't don't talk anymore. So, so now, in, in a sense, the, uh, the some of the left has not listened to the the, the other part of Solinsky's advice, which is to avoid issues, because now we have Biden coming out with this with this uh, platform. Uh, that he's worked out with uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, AOC, <laughs> how a person that is as ignorant and as dumb as she has gained so much uh, influence is beyond me. I, I, we know she has lots of money behind her, tremendous amount of money behind her, and that she gives to other ultra-left candidates. And for some reason, I got an email from a Democratic group saying whether I would support AOC for president when she was old enough. I, I'm, I'm serious. I think it was 2028 AOC or something like that. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I mean, look, I was in Delaware. Joe Biden was never considered very bright 
I mean, he's not a dummy, but he was not considered, you know, very bright. The people who supported him used to make fun of his intellect and, 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 and his gaffes. I mean, Joe Biden is a corrupt, gaff-prone liar who's now in cognitive decline. Now, whether you, if, if you're, remember him from Delaware, there's not that much difference in his cognitive abilities. <laughs> he was uh, gaff-prone gaff in big time when he was a senator, but everybody said, oh, well, we know he's not too smart. Yeah, he has a lot of gaffes, and uh, we know he tells these stories, but, you know, we, he's a good guy. We like him. When he was over there in um, South Africa with a Democrat congressperson and said, claimed that he was arrested, and they asked, they asked the congressman, they said, what about this thing? You were with him. Well, and his answer was, well, Joe likes to exaggerate stuff. That's what his answer was. Of course, the mainstream media doesn't pick up any of that. Joe plagiarized, accused of plagiarism in law school. Plagiarized Neil Canuck speech, sentence by sentence. I saw a clip on TV the other day. Neil Canuck, the who was the head of the Labour Party in Great Britain for a while, uh, going for running for the prime ministership, giving a speech, and they then get showed uh, Biden giving a speech, word for word, word for word. I was just thinking about something. No, Neil Connick said that last week or two weeks ago. How could you just be thinking about it? Maybe he was thinking about how we should plagiarize it. So that will, of course, be played by the Republicans, which now brings up something else I want to discuss. And this has been bandied about. Will Joe Biden actually debate Donald Trump? I wouldn't bet on it. They are not going to allow Donald Trump uh, Trump take on Joe Biden in a debate. They'll think of a reason why it's Trump's fault that there's no debate. But they'll do everything they can to prevent that debate. I don't think there's any question in my mind. Uh, that's what they're... And we'll see. We'll see if they can succeed in preventing the debate. I mean, I thought for a long time that the Democrats would eventually replace Biden at the top of the ticket. But he's running so far ahead of Trump in the polls that it gives them a really tough time. They've got to worry about that because right now Biden looks like a winner, a landslide winner, not just a winner, a landslide winner. And plus, if they replace Biden or try to, there's Bernie Sanders sitting there. He just had his platform adopted by Biden. He's the obvious substitute. So if they're going to get rid of Biden, they've got to do it at the convention or after the convention on the basis that he's incapable or has, you know, problems or maybe they'll just push him off a cliff who knows but i don't i don't see them um i I did not see the democrats actually nominating uh biden or if they did nominate him actually let him remain the candidate Uh, so who knows what the 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 rulers of the democratic party are are thinking i'm sure they're they're sweating it out uh, and thinking well eh, look we got a winner if we had an election tomorrow biden wins we take the Senate and the House. We then get mm, how many illegals are in this country now? 11 million, 20 million, various numbers from 11 million minimum to 22 million maximum. We we amnesty all of them, make them all citizens, and, and all the adults will then vote for the Democrats, and the Republicans will never win another election. And, and they'll do whatever we say. We'll do whatever we want to the country or for the country. And I'm telling you, if that happens, blue-collar America will really be in trouble. 
because corporations will always opt for the low-wage people. And, and Mexican-Americans, Mexicans, illegal or, or legal, work hard. <laughs> they, they send money home to, to, to mama, papa, and grandma, and granddaddy, T.O. and Tia. So uh, they like people who work hard for, for very little money. Americans like it paid for what they're worth, and they'll insist on getting their share of the profits and their share of, uh, of uh, uh, the income. And, and I'm not so sure some of the, um, at least cer- certainly the illegals don't have much leverage to, to, to get that. Uh, but anyway, that's what we're facing. I, I don't have to go into that because it's, it's all over the television. But I like to go into what I think is really happening, and I think there is a loose organization tying up Black Lives Matter, tying up Act Blue, and sitting on top of this, and there's a lot of other left-wing groups, is organizing for America, and the funders are the billionaires led by Soros. And by the way, uh, Ford Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation, they fund a lot of left-wing groups that are pushing left-wing uh, 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 political in the guise of social justice, they're they're put, putting various pr- programs, and 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 it's it's out in the open. I mean, in Seattle, they're talking about white folks. Oh, you know, you got to give up your desire for physical uh, safety. I mean, come on. Uh, we, I look. I've been around for a long time. I was, in fact, I'm old enough that I can remember that I traveling around the country because I really liked traveling. Camping, uh, fishing, snorkeling, canoeing, kayaking. I remember the times when you can do that with a minimum number of rules. And I supported a lot of the, the rules that were put in to, 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 for conservation rules. And, and, but the difference between now and then in terms of regulations is amazing. And I'm very thankful that uh, the Trump administration has, has some of the ridiculous ones that they've, they've, they've uh, pull back on, especially in the national forest type stuff. Um, but um, I don't. I can't believe that the American people will want to reinstitute a, a regulatory regime, which is anti-small business, anti-medium-sized business, and and benefits the large corporations and the ultra-rich. Who's the richest person in America? Jeff Bezos. Who owns the Washington Post? Jeff Bezos. What has happened to the Washington Post? It's a left-wing propaganda rag. That's all it is. How about the New York Times? They fired their editor because he dared to print an op-ed piece by Senator Tom Cotton. And they brought in as a new editor a, 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 an activist leftist. Look it up. So anyway, we have an organization uh, organizing for America, which loosely sits on top of all this stuff. And uh, Black Lives Matter, which is filthy rich now because virtually all the big corporations have dumped a whole bunch of money into Black Lives Matter. Uh, PepsiCo is one of the worst in terms of contributions. Now, I myself uh, won't, uh, I don't drink, uh, I've never uh, drink uh, soda, sugar water, I call it. But I'm looking up what, what other things PepsiCo makes to make sure I don't buy anything from PepsiCo. But what are you going to do? All these corporations are being politicized and giving money. A Nike? I mean, 
I sit there, I have my Nike shoes when I go to the gym. I bought them before Colin Kaepernick uh, got hired by Nike. If, if I would tell you I wouldn't buy a product made by Nike. I mean, Colin Kaepernick has told for the violent overthrow of the government. And does Nike back off from supporting him? No. You, you're going to watch the National Football League games? I have a lot of people swearing to me they're not going to turn on the National Football League this year. My brother is one, and I know my brother means it. When he says something, I mean, he was a, a, a captain in the Marines during the Vietnam War. And so when he says he and watching another National Football League game, he quit watching them last year, and he'll just continue to quit watching them. Uh, now, I'm hoping that baseball won't go woke, woke too. But baseball is a little different because baseball has a lot of Hispanic players. And a lot of those players are quite happy about being in this country, making money here, being famous, being treated uh, like special people. They come from, a lot of them come from real abject poverty in, in Central and South America. They understand what it means to be an American. I'm not so sure some of these uh, so-called black leaders understand it. Lots of money, you know. Al Sharpton, does he pay his taxes yet? I don't know. How about uh, the riots he caused in New York? How about Tawana Brawley, the phony, the phony case he had and got sued on that one in New York, charging some policemen with uh, brutalizing this black female? It was just a hoax. It was a lie. It was, a lie. It was all a lie. And uh, and so what, is, what does Al Sharpton have as a reward for being a race baiter and a liar? Got a million dollars a year from uh, one of the networks, uh, CNN or CNBC, I don't know which one, one of those uh, two mainstream medias. So it, it pays, I guess, to, to do those sorts of things. Well, I, the, uh, that's my rant for today on those issues. But I also uh, was looking at a, a very interesting article and I, 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 I uh, tell my uh, re, uh, listeners to do this. This was an article that was uh, actually it's a fairly old article. Uh, well, not that old. Uh, September October 2019 article in Discover magazine. Now I read Discover. I really like uh, Discover. It's it's uh, science for the curious, and uh, I, I like. Uh, Scientific American also, but Scientific American is you know a lot more um, technical. So they in the September October 2019 issue, the lead story was inside the public health crisis of gun violence. Now calling it a public health crisis, I, I didn't like that very much, but the article itself is really good. And one of the interesting things I was reading is uh, one of the parts of the article which I think is kind of interesting is suicide rates. And the United States, the suicide rate, uh, have, you know, statistics for in the United States is 6.9, uh, firearm suicide rate, 6.9 per 100,000 people. And the suicide rate for non-firearm is 6.9. So we have something a little bit less than 14 per 100,000 people suicide rate. Now I go up here. Say, oh well, look how dangerous we are. Well, let's see here. We got uh, what do we have here? Thirteen point eight for the United States. Okay, 
Here's Australia. Suicide for firearms is only seven tenths of one percent. For uh, for uh, 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 seven tenths, yeah, for hundred thousand, one percent. But suicide non-firearm is twelve. Total, twelve point seven. Not not a lot different from the United States. So when people want to commit suicide, they figure out how to do it. Austria. We are the highest by far in suicide rate by firearms. However, suicide non-firearms, if you include all suicides, Austria, 14.5. Belgium, 16.6. Even wonderful Canada is 11.5. And I go down the list... Estonia, Finland, France, Germany, Germany, 20.4, holy cow. Less than one per, not only nine-tenths of a person per 100,000, but the non-suicide rate is um, 11.4. So Germany, I'm sorry, Germany total is uh, uh, obviously 12.3. And so it's up there. Ireland, it's over 10. Japan, virtually all non, uh, no firearm, but 18.4 uh, per 100,000 the suicide rate. Poland, Portugal. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is that if people want to commit suicide, they're going to find a way to do it. On the other hand, uh, the survey says in the U.S. only about 13% of all suicide attempts succeed. However... Up to 90% of attempts using firearms result in deaths. So the the real people determined to commit uh, suicide use firearms. But they have a lot of interesting things. They break down uh, violent deaths by race uh, and uh, perpetrator and, and how it affects uh, population. Uh, annual U.S. firearm deaths by intent. Homicide and su- by far suicide is um, much higher than than uh, than uh, homicide. So so more people die from suicide than homicide. Uh, and so uh, and it uh, life expectancy loss in days, suicide by firearms. And by the way, suicide is much more common uh, by group by uh, middle-aged white men, middle-aged and older white men, way more common than uh, than among blacks. But anyway, I, I I urge you to uh, look that up, try and get it. It's uh, Discover Magazine, if you're interested in the facts rather than the hogwash. Uh, look at uh, the September-October 2019 issue of Discover Magazine. Uh, well, with that, uh, I, want, I want to now go into this idea that somehow the police have been slaughtering blacks, which is young blacks, which is nonsense. The slaughter of young blacks is by other young blacks. And if you take a look at what's happening in the cities right now, the New York, the murder rate, the violent crime rate is going sky high. Uh, it's, so, it's the Fer- so-called Ferguson effect. Uh, has been has affected Ferguson, obviously St. Louis, Baltimore, Detroit, and who is getting murdered? Young blacks. Who's doing the murdering? Young blacks. 
So if black lives really mattered, which they don't, then we, according to the left, just a some some other way to hammer other people uh, into into voting for them or or, or keeping the, the manipulating the black community so that uh, they're kind of worried that Trump was uh, gaining speed in the black community that he actually was gaining support and the, and the Democrats can't have that so they have to perpetrate this nonsense about the police slaughtering blacks um, which is not true the, over the years for for. for Blacks killed by homicide, depending on the year, 89 to 96% were killed by other blacks. Now, in the year that I looked at, uh, unarmed blacks, nine were killed, I think it's 2018. Unarmed whites was like 19 or 20. You say, well, wait a minute. Uh, you know, there's uh, thir- only 13% of the population is black, and 6% of six percent of the population is black males. So they're overrepresented, even though they're a good deal less. I know, but take a look at the violent crime statistics. Uh, the the victims uh, report the race of, uh, of the perpetrator. 50% of all violent crimes are pretty close are committed by blacks. So the question is, Why? Why do we have that? I mean, in the 1950s, the black communities were pretty well law-abiding. What's happened? What happened is the Democrats passed the Great Society and passed War on Poverty, and that relieved black men from responsibility for their children. And And the same thing's happening in white communities. Back before the Great Society and the War on Poverty, 6% 6% of white children were, were one-parent families. 11% of black one-parent families. Therefore, the, the uh, family was very, very, very vital. So now we have, what do we have? Now we have 30% of white children are born in single-parent families and 72% of black children. So we have, we, we've, we've really done a job on the black community. That's the end of the show. I'll be back with you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.